Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Max Curtin. I'm the Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. So today's episode is called Forced Vulnerability Management, Implementation Benefits and Challenges for the Enterprise. And joining me on today's podcast to discuss these full stack implementation benefits and challenges is Owen Keary, the CEO and founder at EdgeScan. So thank you so much for joining me today, Owen. I'm uh, really looking forward to getting into this discussion. Yeah, thanks, Max. Glad I'm here. Excellent. So I think obviously a good kind of jumping off point here is to talk about why should organizations be looking at vulnerability management automation? We work with both, you know, smaller SMEs, smaller companies, and we also work with larger organizations. Around automation provides a couple of things. Primarily, it's around things like scalability, but also frequency. So as vulnerabilities are being discovered and being published on the internet and and they're in the news and there's patches required and, and things like that, we need to do this in a more frequent way. So frequency being, you know, continuous assessment so we're always looking for weaknesses in our systems, and automation lends very well to that. But also, you know, in addition to frequency, it's around scalability. So, using automation in order to cover pretty much all of your assets um, on a continuous basis. So, automation in addition leads uh, and, and lends well um, to, to, to that aspect as well. I suppose where automation does fall down is in terms of, of accuracy to some degree. So um, automation is, is in effect software testing software, um, and software generally can get it wrong because uh, risk is very contextual. So so automation, it, it, it's important to automate where you can, but obviously uh, try and not let accuracy, fidelity of your, of your intelligence suffer by using maybe a a hundred percent automated solution. So, so there needs still there, in today's age, we still need to have a certain level of human intelligence. But automation can augment people and how much work they can get done in a given period of time. I think an important point you mentioned there is accuracy, because EdgeScan they recently surveyed three hundred security professionals, and that was at uh, InfoSec Europe back in June. Yeah, and the findings showed that sixty percent of security professionals spend over three hours per day validating false positives. So I just want to get your thoughts on this and how we can kind of reduce those numbers down. Sure, sure. Going back to a point I made is when you have a pure software solution auditing websites, web applications, hosting environments, cloud and APIs, and all that type of stuff. The problem is, 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 is that we're really looking for is risks. And what we do is we find vulnerabilities and vulnerabilities can give rise to risks to the business. The risk is sort of a human concept and risk is very contextual. Sometimes you find vulnerabilities which aren't very exploitable or they're difficult to exploit. Um, and therefore, the actual risk of the issue wouldn't be as high as one, one would think. But to make that decision in terms of prioritization, and, and also to validate vulnerabilities in a sort of a business contextual way, automation doesn't really work. So what you wind up with is software saying everything is a serious issue or, or you have a bunch of high and critical risk issues. But in, in terms of the reality is that we do find, as per the survey, 
many people have to spend a lot of time figuring out, you know, what is the real risk? How do I prioritize it? And so on and so forth. So using automation completely um, or using tools and relying on tool output completely is sort of what, what a lot of people in the industry do. As per the survey, you can see that the average people are spending, you know, three hours plus day trying to figure out which issues are real, which issues aren't real. Sort of compounding that is actually, you know, if you have to do this on a continuous basis. So let's say your organization is deploying new features and new code or deploying new hosting infrastructure or if you're in the cloud, things are spinning up and, and, and being torn down, you know, on, on, on sort of pretty much a, a continuous basis. The idea of validating false positives on a continuous way, pretty much is, is, it's a soul-destroying activity, and we have to have better ways of doing that. Um, we also need to be able to keep pace with change. So as systems are changing, and as I said, as people are deploying code and changing their websites, web applications, and APIs on a, on a continuous basis or on a very regular basis, we need to make sure that, that the vulnerabilities we're finding are real, and one of the things around false positives will be that if we find an issue, we don't validate it, and it is a false positive, we wind up going back to the business saying, you have a critical issue here, and it turns out it's not a real issue. The amount of time that can be wasted on chasing ghosts, in effect, chasing false positives, can ramp up pretty quickly. But it also affects the relationship between cybersecurity and the business. Cybersecurity is continuously crying wolf and it transpires that the actual vulnerabilities aren't real, the actual fate and value of cybersecurity tends to, to degrade very quickly. So one of the things you know to be mindful of, and as I mentioned before, is automation is great for accuracy, scale, and frequency. But what we need to do is, is in effect, focus on, on, on some way of minimizing false positives such that we can provide value to the business and help secure the business. So it is a challenge, and there are various ways of doing that. I think one of the ways we've done it in EdgeScan is to augment humans and technology such that all of the issues our clients see and all the vulnerabilities, the intelligence that our clients receive has been validated such that it's pretty accurate and it helps our clients prioritize what they need to fix at a given time. It's a crazy statistic of, of how many hours it is. It, it, it's damaging, as you mentioned, and just time-consuming where those resources can be put into, into better use. I think another important element that we should focus on on the survey before we move on here is 64% of the respondents identify and admit to not being fully aware of their organization's web applications and endpoints. Do you think increasing knowledge of these applications or consolidating them into one package is the best option or, or what are we looking at here yeah I, I think i think the consolidation is interesting but i couldn't see it happening particularly with large organizations with various business units let's say an insurance company might have b2b or business to business endpoints they may have you know b2c business to to you know end user business to client endpoints and then they may have different strands of business. They may have corporate insurance, let's say, and they may also have retail insurance. And the consolidation may not work. But the challenge, and it's a very simple problem, but it's only raised its head, in my view, in the last couple of years, is visibility. Being aware of what we have. A fancy way of saying that in sort of security parlance is, is the idea of, um, of knowing your attack surface. So what does that mean? It means... Understanding what you have exposed either to other businesses or to the public internet at any point in time, 
understanding you know all the moving parts of your business which are deployed on the internet and by virtue of knowing that you in effect have an asset an asset registry of all the systems you have deployed if you have an asset registry of all the systems you deployed it's much easier to understand what each of those assets is made of you know what's the ingredients of each of those assets so some assets may be using different technologies and if a vulnerability comes out or a vulnerability is discovered or a patch needs to be issued, you can very quickly understand where you need to apply that patch. You, you can very quickly understand which issues you may own or have deployed, which are in effect potentially at risk based on something, some new vulnerability which has been discovered, say, in the last few hours or last few days. So visibility is really important. And it's very surprising in many ways that a lot of large organizations with significant cybersecurity budget, et cetera, they all seem to struggle with this problem. The problem of saying, I know what I have deployed and I know the makeup of the assets that I have deployed. And therefore, I can very quickly understand if a new type of vulnerability comes out for a particular tech stack. I will know very quickly if I need to do something or if my organization needs to do something or, or react. The concept of visibility is very simple. But what's sort of ironic about that is that many, many organizations don't do it very well. Something we've done in, in EdgeGAN is we have a, the idea of continuous asset profiling, which in effect is it's continuously profiling all of your assets um, such that you can interrogate EdgeGAN very, very quickly to see if you have a particular type of asset or a particular type of service deployed, and therefore you can react very, very quickly. So visibility is around knowing what you have exposed and also visibility, then you can go from there and say, well, can I be alerted if certain systems maybe are exposed inadvertently? Or if somebody deploys something in an insecure way, can I be alerted in some way? Can I be informed in real time? And again, the concept of doing that is reasonably simple, but, but, but we find some of our clients, they in effect achieve very, very great value from the point of, of being able to know what they have such that the, the, then they, the, the, they can understand what they need to protect and also you know how they prioritize and keep track of what's being deployed at any point in time so visibility is very important and it, it's quite interesting if you see from there are the statistics that more than half of organizations can't really say what they have completely deployed on their systems so it, it is a challenge but it isn't um, insurmountable. It's actually something that can be can be achieved well fairly easily. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's it just kind of makes sense when when you put it in those terms that visibility should be key. But as we've seen in the survey, that that doesn't seem to be the case. So I'd kind of recommend to to all our listeners make sure you do go to edgescan.com and just check out the the findings. It's Info Security Europe that happened in June. There's a lot of great stuff in there, so make sure you go check that out for more information. So I'd like to kind of shift gears a little bit, but go back into the automation aspect in a little while. But first, I want to just know the general challenges we're looking at. So when we're looking today, you know, security professionals, they're facing a lot of challenges right now. It's practically every day at the moment. We're seeing new breaches, even whole countries such as Ecuador have been affected that we've seen recently. So can you just walk us through some of the major challenges that we're seeing today? The main major challenge for cybersecurity professionals in general is keeping pace with development. Secondary would be keeping pace with legal compliance. Security and compliance are completely different things, but they do cross paths and overlap in certain areas. 
for example, like things like GDPR is about privacy of, of EU citizens' data. But if there's a security breach as a result of poor cybersecurity, GDPR can be invoked and, and you can get in a lot of trouble and, and, and possibly receive a large fine. Your reputation may be damaged as well. But what we see in the industry from a cybersecurity perspective is how we develop, how systems are developed and deployed. Now we have things like containers. We have the idea of, of being able to, to deploy systems very, very rapidly. We have the idea that, 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 you know, maybe 10 years ago, you know, systems would change maybe on a month by month basis or every, even every six months. Like there wouldn't be that much change. But now we have the idea that, that organizations may change their code 50 or 60 times a day. As a result of that, then, you know, we need to, to change the way we approach security and we need to be more continuous. The idea of having a penetration test once a year is folly. It doesn't work anymore. And some of the challenges, for example, you mentioned Ecuador, you know, and, and, and there is uh, a, quite a, a spike and it's probably going to continue in effect and maybe not be a spike, but things, things have escalated in terms of things like ransomware attacks, you know, malware attacks. And what you'll see with that is a lot of those ransomware attacks and sort of the infection, the actual vector for infection is actually possibly due to a, an unpatched system. In many cases, the actual vulnerability associated with the attack vector for the malware. So in effect, the way the malware sort of hooks into you know, a live system, the vulnerability being used by that malware may not be a critical risk issue. But the malware has been customized, in effect, to be able to leverage certain types of vulnerability and therefore take over the system. So things like patching, things like, again, we're back to visibility. So why are we not patching? Patching can be difficult. You know, Maintaining systems can be difficult. But in effect, in many cases, you'll see that the owners of the systems didn't even know a patch was required because they actually didn't have the visibility of what needed to be done at a point in time. The overall challenge for cybersecurity professionals in general is trying to keep pace with the rate of change. And, you know, traditionally we were sort of, you know, delivering either, you know, standalone tooling or, or doing annual or quarterly penetration tests, which don't really move as quick as a determined attacker. We need to be as fast as a determined attacker, right? We need to keep pace with, with change, but we also need to be faster than the bad guys. And it is really tough to do that. I think the market the market in general and the industry is moving in that direction, but there's a lot more to be done. And I think that kind of leads nicely on to, to my next point of how do we face these challenges with the use of automation that we've been discussing? But I also want to focus on how important is it to retain the human element moving forward? Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. Look, there's a lot of talk about machine learning and, and, and AI being the, the silver bullet. If you actually dig into that a bit deeper, you'll see some AI isn't really AI. There was an old saying around, you know, most machine learning is written in Python and most AI is written in PowerPoint. And there's a reason for that. I think we're not there yet in terms of using automation, pure automation, you know, using intelligence, you know, be it artificial intelligence. The challenge is that we still need to retain the human elements currently. The point is, is that 
automation is great for doing lots of stuff, which is repetitive. You know, it's all the heavy lifting, all, 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 all you might say, you know, the sort of the laborious, routine, repetitive tasks. And we should automate the hell out of that. We should automate that, you know, as much as we can. But one of the sort of the models we have internally in EdgeScan is we automate everything as long as we don't sacrifice accuracy. And accuracy is around con- context and risk as a, at the very top of this conversation, I sort of mentioned that. And context and risk is around, well, what can bad can happen to my business or my data based on, you know, the context of, of the situation we're in. We're not there yet in terms of AI and ML being able to do that and make that decision. So what we actually need to do, in my view, is look at ways to augment human intelligence where, where, where required with scalability of automation. And that, that, that's sort of where, where, where we, what we sort of focus on in EdgeCat. We are putting a lot of time and, and budget into, into machine learning and AI um, in EdgeCan, but primarily we're not seeing it as a technology. We're not seeing it being mature enough to really remove the, the human element. But in saying that, there is great scope uh, and there's great opportunity to automate a lot of stuff. But when it comes down to understanding the risks and the risk management and the vulnerability management of a business, it, um, because businesses are a human concept and risk is a human concept and you know, the idea that, that what we're really defending against are, 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 are malicious people. We're defending against other human beings. And currently, if you rely purely on software to defend against the human, the human will win every time. We need to be more aware of that. Humans are the best defense against humans, but humans can't scale. They need automation to scale. So the idea will be automate the hell out of everything, as I mentioned, and then try and drop human intelligence at various touch points where required. That's sort of the challenge around automation. And that's sort of the challenge around how do we do this in a a sort of a scalable and obviously cost-effective way. That's primarily what we focus on in EdgeCan is is very much the idea of being able to scale, being able to do it as deep as we can, to do it on demand. So frequency and scale are huge. And then obviously, the last thing is accuracy. But right now, EdgeScan is very much focused on dropping human intelligence to aid the accuracy piece where required. It's looking at a partnership in the future, isn't it? It's finding that balance between it all, definitely. So you mentioned a little point there at the end, which I think is important to, to mention and, and what a lot of organizations always ask. So it's important to know with the ability of full stack, what are the realistic implementation and cost goals that organizations should keep in mind? We'll take a step back there about full stack. Full stack, the way we say we do full stack, what does that mean, first of all? We see in the industry, you have organizations that cover hosting environments and network security, and then you've, and you've also have vendors that would cover web application security. If security is guilty of, of separating these two things from a security point of view, what, what the reality is, if, if I was a, a malicious attacker, I don't really care if the vulnerability I'm going to use is in your infrastructure or is it in your web application. I don't really care. As long as I get in and, and, and you know I achieve my goal. The idea of full stack is to provide sort of a top-down 
view of the risk associated with um, a business application, shall we say, or an API. So full stack is the idea that we're covering off the web application and the software security piece, but also we were covering off the hosting and supporting environment piece. And all of that is combined into one view. So you get a, a sort of a, a full picture of the risk profile of one of your of one of your assets, which is the idea of full stack, right? It, it's not we're we're not saying, yeah, your web applications are fine, but we don't know anything about your hosting infrastructure. We're we're actually saying, well, actually, maybe your web applications are fine, but maybe your hosting infrastructure isn't very good, or vice versa. So full stack is important because attackers. And people with malicious intent don't really care where the vulnerability is. They'll exploit whatever they can find. So the industry is guilty of siloing web application and software security in one silo and network security and hosting infrastructure security in a separate silo, which is bad. And it's probably one of the reasons why we have so many problems today, because they're actually the same problem. But the market has determined that they're different sort of subsections of the market, in effect. Where we combine that view, it's cost effective from the point of view that you shouldn't have separate tools doing, you know, web application on one side and network security on the other side. What we need to do is have a, um, an all-encompassing view and a single point of visibility where we can actually see what's going on across the entire stack. So the idea of full stack is to reduce cost, but it's also to improve visibility and to improve situational awareness by virtue of that we're seeing a business object, which may be, say, an online banking application. And we're seeing that in its entirety. We're not just seeing one part of it. We're seeing the entire asset and we're seeing the risk posture of that entire asset, which in effect reduces cost dramatically because we're, we're in the world of DevOps and we're in the world where everything is going software defined, which means that hosting infrastructure and web application development are sort of converging in some ways. And therefore, we need to look at things in the same way that developers view the world and in the same way that technologists view the world. So the idea of full stack, rather than siloing things off, you know, what we're doing is we're combining the view in one, in one place, in effect, has pretty strong efficiencies associated with that it's uh, all down to visibility which i think is the the key kind of takeaway for for what we need to be looking at in the future and as i said to you previously it just just makes sense so um as we kind of wrap up here i think it's important to to ask one final question of getting your thoughts on first of all what you're concerned about in the future relating to all of this and more importantly what you're looking forward to what are the concerns i have would be around the overselling of artificial intelligence and machine learning. I think we've got a long way to go until that's completely reliable. So you have organizations which are selling, you know, systems which would automatically validate and automatically patch systems. But as most people know that when you do that, it actually is never as simple. It won't be automatic. And if it is, it probably will break something. So the concerns are that, that, that overall that the security industry needs to mature a little bit. I think the security industry is guilty of, of driving the actual end user to what that we think they should do. If the security industry to mature and tackle this problem, the problem of software insecurity, the problem of being breached and malware and all these things, 
is that security industry in fact needs to step back a little bit and, and look at this from a, a, a sort of a from an overall problem rather than a niche problem on various subcomponents of the problem. You know, we need to look at it from a, an overall challenge. And I, I think we're not doing that fully yet. I think the other challenge is around the fact that cybersecurity in general is finding it difficult to keep pace with the way people develop code and the way we deploy code. And we're still a bit behind in that space. But in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I think one of the good things is that cybersecurity has has definitely become more of a board level issue than it ever has been. I think compliance and law has pushed that a little bit in terms of people care about it because they may get fined or sued or, you know, people can lose their careers and businesses can be fined massive amounts of money. We have GDPR and in the US, we have the CCPA Act, which is a, a sort of a Californian-based sort of GDPR Privacy Act as well, which is coming online, you know, rather soon. And when we look at sort of those drivers, I, I think that the idea of what we always found as security people was, why should I spend money on cybersecurity? Or why am I spending, you know, investing in this? We never get hacked and this type of thing. Where I think the idea what I'm looking forward to is, is that the, the awareness level from business owners and non-technologists and people that just want to run a business and, you know, and do great things, the idea that um, cyber is definitely something which you just need to do, hopefully do it as early as possible as you're developing stuff such that it's a bit cheaper. But in effect, it's something that needs to be accepted as a core part of doing business on the internet or you know managing data on the internet. That's not going to go away anytime soon. So I think primarily it's, it's the maturity of the vision of what of cybersecurity is is something which I see moving in a positive direction over the next few years. I 100% agree. And it's nice to see, as you say, organizations taking note of cybersecurity. It's baffling that it's, it's taken this long to get to this point, but uh, at least we're here, which is good. <laughs> Owen, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to kind of get your thoughts on all of this. It's been uh, it's been really good. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks, Max. It's appreciated. It was, it was good fun. Thank you. Uh, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in as well. Make sure you head on over to edgescan.com for more information about what we discussed today and uh, just to get a more detailed view as well. We'll be back soon with another podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you also head on over to EM360 Tech for more content like this. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.